Today we're going to be looking at the second half of John 14, verses 14 to 31, and I've entitled it, If You Love Me, You'll Obey My Commandments. And my goal today is that we'll get three things. The surprising beauty of John's writing, the size of what's being asked, and the immensity of what is being offered to us. That is our plan for today. That's our goal, rather. Our plan for today is we're going to do four things. We're going to look at the beauty of the writing, and that's why you have your handout. We're going to look at the key idea, which is, if you love me, keep my commandments. We're going to look at the promise of a companion that flows from this. And we're going to look at the statement, I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. So a quick recap of where we've been in John. Um, John's gospel falls into two halves, what people call the book of signs, which is chapters 1 through 12, where there are seven signs that Jesus gives. And then books uh, chapters 13 through 21, which has been called the book of glory, which is Jesus' uh, final teaching and then his death and his resurrection. We're in the book of glory, the second half, and we can look at it roughly like this. It starts off with a um, a meal with the disciples, the Last Supper, and then we have four chapters of new teaching from Jesus. And then we have his arrest, his crucifixion, resurrection, and then we have another meal with the disciples at the end. Last week, we were, we began in chapter 14, and our goal last week was to take in the care and empathy of Jesus. Jesus begins, he's about to face his the incredibly painful ordeal of his death and his crucifixion and the, the greatest pain known to man. And here is disciples and he says, let not your hearts be troubled. And he has empathy for them and the fact they're going to be very confused by things that are happening. And we just saw that care that Jesus has and in his love for his disciples. And then what was quite extraordinary, he said, actually, this is what God is like. This is what the Father is like. The Father, I am actually revealing to you the Father. He is one who cares for others more than for himself. The Father is just like me. But at the end of that passage, he talks about greater things. He said, I tell you the truth, the person who believes in me will perform the works that I'm doing and will perform greater works than these because I'm going to the Father. And we talked about how, you know, what is this, these, these greater works and how, um, that, that the, although no, no, raising somebody from the dead is perhaps the biggest thing you can do, the actual, follow up from what they did was much bigger than with Jesus because the spirit was there and were thousands saved and the kingdom was built and the kingdom just spread across the earth. Um, but these these greater works are a question. And then he said, uh, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. And he said, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And this uh, raises a question of what, what's what's happening? How does this work? Uh, how, how does this come, how does this actually happen, Jesus? And so this is the backdrop to what happens in this passage. So what I want to do now is to spend some time looking at your handout. 
And I want to talk to you about the process I went through in this. So I'm very excited about this week's passage. And um, I just immersed myself in this chapter during this week. In fact, sometimes I kind of, I was in danger of being obsessed with it. You know, I was doing it, reading it rather than other things I should have been doing. And I was, I was highlighting, I was looking at things and I was trying to figure out like, how does this passage work? How does everything fit together? Because like, there seems to be repetition. What's going on in here? And people have become very confused. If you read the commentaries, like, what's going on? How come he says things, seemingly the same thing again and again? So the um, first thing I want to say is, how do I know that this is a unit? This belongs together. Well, it ends very clearly. John uses place markers to mark ends and beginnings of things. And right at the end is a place marker. He says, um, let's, um, let's, go, let's, let's leave. Let's go somewhere else. Um, uh, get up. Let us go from here. So that's like a clear end marker. That's the end of this, this talk. But the beginning of it, there's a very strong change of subject from the last time. And that marks the beginning. And so what I started doing is I was reading it. I was noticing words being repeated and looking at the keywords and, and highlighting them and going through. And, and I'd do another printout from the computer and mark it up and highlight it. And, um, and I, there's one keyword, which is the word love which occurs 10 times in this short passage. And obviously that is a big clue. So I've highlighted that in red in your writing. So love is in red and it's very high density. And then it stops using it for the next bit of the next chapter. There's a few places. Obviously, John uses love a lot, but this place is particularly, particularly um, important. So another, the next thing that I noticed was um, that um, things about uh, commandments or his teaching... Uh, several places he mentioned that, and uh, you'll see those in yellow. And then I notice that they're actually very closely connected with the love. So you get in verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. And you get, um, actually, let me just bring this up for you. There we go. If you love me, keep my commandments. And the same kind of thing right the way through. Love and commandments five times. Love and commandments are just connected in slightly different arrangements. This is very interesting. And then I noticed, um, talks about an intimate connection between us and God. And I put those in bold. So we can see, uh, here we go, to dwell with you forever. Uh, he dwells with you and will be in you. I will come to you. You are in me and I am in you. Reveal myself to them. Reveal myself to us. Make our dwelling place with them, dwelling with you. Um, I'm coming back to you. So these intimate connections I've put in bold there. And uh, then, of course, the Holy Spirit. And two little blocks with the Holy Spirit, and I put those in green. And uh, we, those, those are um, pretty clear. And then one other thing I noticed is some places where there's words of comfort. Jesus is comforting them and, you know, just being empathic to their, their situation, their worry. So there's two of those. There's the one, I will not abandon you as orphans. And he talks about that. And then lower down, the second one, um, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Don't let your hearts be troubled. And so these are, these like elements that are in there. And then, uh, suddenly everything jumps out at me and like it's so exciting when you see there are actually five blocks in there and I put those in the blocks for you each one begins with 
almost identical statement in some form or other connecting love and commandments. And so the first one says, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. Uh, the second one says, uh, let's bring them up on the screen. Uh, the one who has my commandments and obeys them is the one who loves me. The third one, if anyone loves me, they will obey my teaching. If anyone does not love me, does not obey my teachings. And then the last one, I love the Father exactly as the Father commanded me, so I do. And so, interesting variation at the end. So I notice then that there are these five statements. But then uh, what's really interesting is when you see this pattern, and this pattern occurs four times, it's slightly different at the end, but the pattern occurs four times. It starts with an, if you love me, keep my commandments in some form or other. Then there's a connection with the Father. Can you see that? I put the father connections in blue there. So uh, look at this. Underneath each time, after the statement to keep my commandments, there's a connection with the father. And um, two of them, the middle two, it's a very specific one about the father will love you. See that in, um, in, in verse, let's go, go back here. Um, verse 21. The one who loves me will be loved by my father and pretty much the same in the next box. My father will love him. And so um, there and, and like a real symmetry there and, and, a, and a precision about how this connects up. So the next thing that I saw was that um, in the, there was a big box, a small box, a small box and a big box. And the two small ones in the middle are very, very similar, almost identical. And the last two are, have the same series of ideas. And so we have in the, in the outside two boxes, this, the third thing we get is after the connection with the Father, we get a promise of the Spirit. And then we get a word of comfort that refers to the world as well. A word of comfort. This is not like the world, but this is something which is, which is for you. And then all of them end with a future intimate connection with Father, Son, and Spirit. And that's the one that's, those are the things that are, are, um, in bold. And so this is an extraordinary pattern that's here. And it's so helpful because, um, we, one of the boxes interprets other boxes. So the first one and the last one are very similar, but slightly different. And you can see they're helping to us to understand, uh, the other. So uh, that's the, the, the basic way that this works, the basic outline for how this goes. And uh, you can probably see why I was so excited to see this and to, to see it, because it just begins to unfold what is happening in here. Um, but the real question is not how it's laid out. The real question is what it means. The real question is what do we take from this? What is John actually saying to us. But of course, it's very helpful to see the way he's laid it out because they're intimately connected. You know, in, in our times, in our era, we tend to separate beauty and truth. They're different categories. Beauty, well, that's, you know, that art. Truth, that's, you know, that's laid out in a straightforward way. But in ancient times, if something was really important, like a jewel, they thought, well, it's worth putting effort into presenting it in a beautiful way, like making a beautiful presentation for that jewel. And so because this is such an important truth, um, John has taken Jesus' words and he's put them in this particular way um, just to, 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 um, 
to highlight the beauty and the power of what is being said here, because they don't conflict, they, they go together, they fit together. Um, so, what I'd like to do then is to look at the, first of all, at the key idea that we have here. And the key idea um, is, if you love me. And in the next couple of minutes, I'm going to say the most important thing that I say this morning. So if you only pay attention for two minutes, then this is the two minutes to pay attention for. And so, uh, here we go. Do we have to perform well enough at this love to get rewarded? So the statement basically is, if you look at those colors, the first color is, if you love me, keep my commandments. And that's the, uh, that's the, let's go, go to an example here. Um, that's the, the red and the yellow. And then we have, I will ask the Father, something about the Father, and then we have what you'll get if you love him, which is here, it's the Holy Spirit. And so, do we have to perform well enough at this love to get rewarded? In other words, you know, you love him enough, and then he'll ask the Father and give you the Holy Spirit. Is that, it's like a performance thing. So this is the question. And uh, so I want to say, I'm going to try and answer this. So the first thing I want to say is, the reward of the love is actually more of God. So when you look at those bits in bold about this intimacy, that is the reward of love. So it's not like like money or jewels or prestige. It's God you're getting. So this makes it a little more sense. You know, if you love me, you will have more of me. You will have intimate connection with me. But it's more than that. Um, the commands are... Um, Follow are things like follow my example, love one another sacrificially. They're not like, um, uh, it's not like uh, Jesus is saying to us, you know, you've got to, to not eat pork and you've got to make sure you don't carry anything on the Sabbath and you've got to do this, like a list of things you mustn't do. The commands actually turn out to be loving one another. So the actual nature of the commands is not a kind of legalistic performancey thing. It's it's much more of um, an organic thing. So, um, so I, uh, there, that's that's um, a, a key thing that I think we need to get. Um, actually, what it's saying is be godlike. Actually. Because if this is how I am, follow my example, be godlike. So this is making a little more sense now. If you keep my commands and if you follow my example to be godlike, then you'll get a more intimate connection with me. Yeah, that makes a little more sense. Um, but why is there this condition? Uh, what, why is there a condition here? Why not just say, oh, you know, this is a free gift? Why is there a condition? Uh, and this, I think, is we've can now come to the key principle, the key uh, point now that I want you to get. And I, like, last night, I, during the night, I was, like, praying to God, like, I want God, please give me, a, like, an illustration of this. Please give me a, a picture of this, of what, what's going on in here, an example that I can use. And God gave me three this morning. So here they are. So... Um, if you want to dance together with somebody, you have to be dancing the same dance. So if we want to dance with God, we have to be dancing the same dance. So he's saying, if you want intimacy with me, your life has to be like mine, which is a self-giving love. 
The second illustration is, if you want to sing harmony together with God, you have to be singing the same tune. You want to be singing in harmony with God, you have to be singing the same tune. So he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. That's the song I want you to be singing if you want to have this close intimacy with me. So it's not like a condition. You've got to feel, you know, you've got to get 70% in the love test before you get to move to the next step. No, it's not like that at all. It's about the absolutely necessary. We can't dance with him if we've got different steps. And the last illustration I have is if we're going to build a new city together, we have to be working from the same plans. You know, we have to have the same architect. If we're going to be building this new Jerusalem, this temple, this palace together, and that is the goal, we build it together, we build the kingdom together, we have to be doing it the same way. And so if we're being participating in him and he in us, there has to be this unity in who we are, in our purpose. And um, for me, this is a very satisfying answer to the question because it gets over this objection that, oh, you know, it's just a legal thing. You've got to perform well enough. It's about, you know, about, are you good enough to get here? No, it's not that. It is important, but it's not about being good enough. It's about becoming like him in our choice to love. So, well, you might say, well, that's great, Andrew, but it still seems like a lot of effort to me or a big challenge to me. How am I possibly going to do this? Uh, well, it turns out that that's exactly what the next section in John is about. So, in the, and I'll give you a clue, it's about the vine and the branches. But that's exactly the question you should be asking at this point because he's going to come on to answering that next time. How am I going to do this? How do I, how am I not up to this? Um, so just to, to summarize then, um, this, um, if you want to dance together, we must be dancing the same dance. How can we do this? The next part is the vine and the branches. And so if I want to put this on one slide, I'd say, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. If you love me enough to want more of me, this is what brings us together, living in tune with me, particularly giving yourself to others in love. So that's my like expansion of this statement. The statement, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. I've expanded it like this. If you love me enough to want more of me, because that's really what the, the question is, this is what brings us together, living in tune with me, particularly giving yourself to others in love. Does that make sense to you? Does it make sense that this is what the passage is saying? Like I'm really, I'm really, um, really want everybody to get this. So it's so important. Like this is the core of the Christian life. This is the core of what it means to live in relationship with Jesus. And here it is in the middle of John's gospel right there. And it's, it's there and it's, it's so perfect the way he's laid it out and we have to get it and so my heart's desire today is that this really lands with you because this is life transforming this is at the heart of what jesus wants to say to his disciples in his very last breath before he leaves them so then we come to the promise of the companion the promise of the companion. So let's look at the places where it says this, the two places that are in green there. Verse 16, 
And he will give you another comforter to dwell, sorry, another companion to dwell with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he dwells with you and will be in you. And then down in um, verse 25, these things I have spoken while dwelling with you, but the companion, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and will cause you to remember everything I have said to you. So um, you notice that I've translated the word companion. Um, and lit- the Greek word is parakletos, and that literally means one who is called alongside. Para means alongside, kletos is to call. So somebody who's called alongside. But of course, that's like... The literal meaning, it's used in different ways in Greek literature that we find today. Uh, as we as we look at ancient Greek literature, we can find that word used in a range of different ways. And the trouble is, no single word translates and captures everything that's there. So the old word that you have in old Bibles is comforter, and Tyndale, in his first English translation, used that because that sounded like the Latin word that had translated from the Greek. And it, it's good in some ways. It captures some of it. But a comforter nowadays is something we pull up when we're in bed, you know, to cover us. And it's it's something which is... Um, uh, doesn't capture everything. It sounds like somebody who puts their arm around us when we're sad. And that is true. That is there. But it doesn't exhaust the meanings here. So let me give you some other words to paint a picture of what this word carries when we look at how it's used at that time in Greek language. So one of the important things it's used for is an advocate in a court setting. The the parakletos stands and, and argues on your defense and stands next to you and, and argues strongly and clearly for you. And that's a clear, that's a very strong meaning of the Holy Spirit does that for us. There's places in scripture. Here's our advocate. He's speaking for us. It's also, though, got the idea of the helper who comes alongside the counselor giving us advice. Because a helper can be subservient to us. But this is somebody who's more like a stronger than us. Uh, supporter is another word. Consoler. That's, I think, better than comforter. Uh, it's the same sort of idea, though. Encourager is another word. The word. Another one would be wise one, because there's actually a connection with the Old Testament prophecies of wisdom. You know, wisdom coming and wisdom being from God. And they're like, the spirit is the wisdom from the Old Testament. Uh, but what I'm going to, I've translated it as companion, but I want to expand it. It's not the companion, it's the wise, strong companion that stands up for us. And I think if you understand by companion is a wise companion, a strong comparison, and a a companion who's there for you. Wise, strong, and is there for you. And that, I think, I I feel that word captures it better because advocate isn't terribly intimate. Advocate's kind of distant or could be, whereas a companion is somebody who's with us He's never going to leave us. He's like with us forever. And so so I think that that word, for me, resonates the better. And some translations use companion. They use a whole range of different words. So that's why I've made it companion. But I want you to understand it's not a companion who's just somebody who's hanging out with us. No, they're, they're the stronger and wiser one. And they're, they're in it for the long haul. So... Um, also, he's a teacher, 
It's another thing that the passage very clearly says. Um, so one of the questions that comes up in this is, did this apply only to the apostles? And some of the commentaries I've read said, yeah, this, t- this, this, uh, this prophecy here was only for the apostles, particularly, let's go back to here. Um, uh, he'll cause you to remember everything that I said to you. Well, obviously, those particular words uh, were written to like people and John, like John, who had to write John's gospel, and they needed to accurately recall Jesus' words because Jesus, the God's gospel is infallible. So that's true. But it also says things like um, the spirit of truth, uh, he'll dwell with you and he, you know, he'll bring you truth. So what is that? And I would say that absolutely that is something for us. Paul tells the Corinthians they can't understand spiritual things because they're, unless they have the spirit because they're spiritually discerned. In fact, you won't understand today's message unless the spirit is working within you because he's the spirit of truth and he brings the truth of Jesus into our hearts in a way that's not just like an academic intellectual knowledge, but a way that deeply resonates and connects with us. So um, I want to say that the ideas in verse 17, he's the spirit of truth, is something which uh, which is absolutely relevant to us today. And he is the one who's with us, he dwells with us, and he is bringing um, God's truth to us. And I would say particularly in how we love and obey Christ's commandment to love. You know, uh, this it's actually not separate from the first command. If you love me, you'll obey my commandments, but it's the spirit of truth will actually show you what that means right now. So what does it mean to love in this situation? What does it mean to obey, to be like Jesus in this situation? The spirit will show you what it means to be like Jesus right now, at this moment. And I think that is that is crucial, because it's not just the spirit of truth like in an academic sense. It's the spirit of the truth of, of what it means to be Jesus at this moment. Um, so um, then in um, verse, working down through this passage, verse... Uh, 38, no, we're in, sorry, 18, verse 18. Uh, here we go. I will not abandon you, but I will come to you. What is this talking about? Um, some people have said it's, it's talking about the Holy Spirit coming. Um, but actually, I think it's more than that because he's already dealing with the Holy Spirit coming. And I think he's also down here talks about the same sort of thing. I'm going to the Father. But he says, I'm going to come again and I'm, uh, I'm going to return. And so I'm, sorry, here it is, verse 20. I'm coming back to you. And so I think this is talking about Jesus' return at the second coming. And, um, I think that, that, um, one of the strongest arguments is that the, the second coming is from Revelation. And this is a beautiful verse in Revelation, which also, of course, written by John. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with humankind. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. 
And so this is our, our Jesus' return. Um, so I'd like to draw this to a, a conclusion now, pull this all together. And I'd like to look at the last point, which is this intimacy with God that's promised. And I'd like to look at all the places where it's written in black, in bold there, because these are so powerful, and I really want you to get these together as they, the impact of hearing them all together. Uh, he dwelt, um, let's get, at that time, you will know that I'm the, in the Father. I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. That is pretty amazingly powerful. Like, I'm in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. This is not just like, we're hanging out together. There is something here that is beyond what we can really comprehend. Something extraordinary. I want to suggest that um, we never become God. Like we, God is always God. We are always created. But there's a connection here that is talking about that later on we'll see more in John 17 that goes beyond just being in the same place, being proximity. There is a, a connection or a unity, which is quite extraordinary. And Jesus is using very strong language here. He says, uh, I will love them and reveal myself to them. Something that he's not done yet, some deeper level. Uh, and then he says, we will come to them and make our dwelling place with them. This is the same word dwelling as um, we're going to see later on in the talking about how a branch relates to the vine. He's going to talk, use the same word there. Um, he says, these things I have spoken while dwelling with you, but I'm coming back to you. I'm coming back to you. And so the power of these expressions particularly this one here, I'm in my Father and you are in me and I'm you, I really want us to get, um, there's going to be more clarity when we get to John 17 because Jesus spends more time in this. But I want to end today by saying there is a level of intimacy where there's some kind of deep connection between us and God that is promised here. Not that we actually become God or God becomes us, but there's a connection and intimacy which I think goes beyond what we can even grasp. And I'd like us just to, to take some time right now, just to allow that promise to settle, to, that, to really allow that to come and to, to grasp what that means. That Jesus is making a promise here, which is unequaled in the rest of scripture. That he is saying, I'm not just going to hang out with you. I'm not just going to bring you to be where I am, but I'm actually going to join with you in some way that I'm going to be in you and you're going to be in me forever. And you're going to get a taste of this with the Holy Spirit. Like the Spirit is a starting of this. But there's something that's going to be so profound that you're going to be joined to God for eternity. And so I want to end now by saying, how do you respond to this? This takes us back to the beginning. Jesus wants an all-out passionate yes. This is what he wants from you this morning. This is the big ask this morning. This is the big thing he's asking from you. This is like 
when, you know, you've been dating somebody for a while and they say, will you marry me? This is what it is. He's saying, like, I want everything here and we're going to live together forever. Do you want it? So I want you to take a deep breath and respond. I just want you to sit with this question for a minute. Do you want this? Do you want more of this? Because Jesus is promising to experience, to begin experiencing this now. Do you want this? We do it by submitting, giving our will to Jesus and saying, your will through me. And that's more of that in the next passage. But let's just sit with this for a moment and then I'm going to close in prayer. How are you with this question that Jesus has for you? What's your response this morning? Let's pray. Jesus, I feel you calling me this morning, calling all of us here. And you're calling us with the words of love. You're calling us into a deeper connection with you through living your life of love. Lord, give us a glimpse of the extraordinary offer that you have here, the extraordinary future that you have for us. Give us a glimpse that will so fill us with excitement and hope. It will just say, Jesus, take me. I want everything. I'm just going to... I'm just going to be all out for you in my life. Give us this glimpse of you, Jesus, that this will be our response. We pray for the glory and name of Jesus. Amen.